You're listening to The Group Sessions, a podcast that bridges the gap between informed public health and healthy mental hygiene. My name is Rob, and I'm a certified mental health life coach and master NLP practitioner. I'm best known for my publications and social media content, as well as individual counseling. Join me on this therapeutic journey while we analyze and overcome issues impacting our mental well-being. Welcome and welcome back to group, everybody. So everybody that's listening, of course, as always, I want to thank you guys for jumping in and holding space with us here today. This is our 41st episode, and that's crazy to think that I've been doing something 40, 41 times consecutively, uh, but this is this is where we're here. So we have um, a special guest today. We're going to be talking about uh, mental health through artistry, specifically through recording artists, and um, joining us for group today is going to be James Garden. I hope that I'm pro- pronouncing his last name right, but I'm going to go with Garden. <laughs> he is a producer, rapper, and songwriter, and he's here to kind of like give us a little bit of insight about what his world is like through his music and how his music is intended to reach and be received by other people. So I'm going to let him hop on and jump jump in and just go ahead and introduce himself and talk about all of his amazing accolades and his super duper super super duper cool swagger that was a tongue twister i wrote that down like six times because i really wanted to say it but i I keep messing up welcome james thank you for being here with us yeah thank you for having me i'm super excited to be here yeah so um may may is mental health awareness month and i wanted to just kind of bring some people on to the to this month and just i guess to the project in general to talk about mental health in different avenues um some things that we talk about on the show usually is how we can explore different ways of kind of connecting with our mental health or looking for uh support in different spaces and music for me as well as most of the listeners i feel that that's always been a community gathering point like music is like a community for your thoughts you know, even if you are not close to the artist, you get to be close to the artist's thoughts and it's really validating and stuff like that. So just before we jump into all of that, please give me the rundown of how you found music in your life and what purpose music has like served for you. For sure. Um, One, I want to know, I love the idea of like music being in a community for your thoughts. Like that's it. If I borrow it, I'm going to source you for sure. Um, <laughs> but that's a good one Uh, for me. Uh, growing up, my parents always played music in the house. So I remember memories of my dad playing like James Brown records and just like that would be a bonding thing. Like we would listen to some of his favorite songs. Um, outside of that, I grew up in a church and I grew up in a church with a mom that made sure that you were involved in the church. So I was in the choir. I was an usher. I was everything. Anything that a youth could do, I had to do it. But I, I think, right. yeah, <laughs> have me there all the time. Wasn't singing that well, but I was singing. I um, that's right. But uh, that allowed me to really like just get introduced to music. And my mom's a writer too. She writes poetry. And I think watching her do that and perform that also had an impact. For me though, I was probably, I was super shy growing up. So it wasn't until like senior year of high school that I started writing my own music. And I was doing it like in secret. I was like, don't nobody need to hear this. I was recording it at home and I like, had notebooks. Like, like, it ain't nobody business. I was like, I can't <laughs> share this with anyone. No one can, no one can ever hear this. They'll never like it. Where um, did you, what area, what neighborhood did you grow up in? Oh, so 
both my parents were in the military. So I was okay. born in Germany, Landstuhl, Germany. Um, that was only like the first four years of my life. Then we moved to Arizona. So as a youth, I was in Arizona for a while. And then I think like fifth grade, we came to Michigan and I've been in Michigan since then. I lived in Flint for a year, but I've been in Lansing for the last like, Okay. Okay, I ask because I find that one thing in, in when you listen to storyteller music, one thing that I notice is that kind of their environment has an impact on their story. Mm. Uh, but for you, you've had you've jumped around so many places, but I guess you were in Michigan around the time that you found music as kind of like, you know, your vehicle as a writer. And that, that had to have been weird, too, for you to be a shy person and then kind of embark on this very public art. Form. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was, what was that transition like? Because <clears throat> there are so many people that have these different gifts and talents and abilities, and they kind of keep them bottled up because of this um, glowing fear, which that's a valid fear. Like fear mm-hmm. of public speaking is like the the first biggest fear, second to being burned alive. So yeah. <laughs> it is really, <laughs> that's yeah, a really big thing. It's really up there. So, um, but how did you get past that? for people that are listening and they have something, but they just can't get past that fear. How did you get past it? So I don't know if this method would work for everyone, but maybe there's, there's something just in how it worked that it's just a mind shift. But for me, what I did is I created an alias as a rapper. And so when I first started rapping, I went under the name filthy. Um, it was P H I L T H Y. It was an acronym. It meant phenomenal hip hop individual living through his years. That is a wow. lot of words. That's that's a very like <laughs> you don't just get an acronym. You you got a whole defined like yeah. yeah. That's that was a lot. Okay. Yeah. But what that did for me though is in my mind I could uh separate the two. So like in my mind I could be like James is shy. James is scared to do public speaking, but filthy is not filthy is like braggadocious filthy lets you know that he's the best when he walks in a room and through the years, it got to a point that like, it's funny. You can tell if someone's known me for years, if they don't call me James, because for a while people didn't know my real name. They like, uh, I think, I think I they thought my you. name was like, Phil, Philip, or like they thought filthy was just a derivative of that. It was Uncle Phil for short. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think what ended up happening is I took on an alias in like such a, I guess like even public and private space, like my friends still call me P. Um, like it just became my nickname that I was like, as I got older, I was like, wait, this is still me. This yeah, is you James. Need a reverse. Ego <laughs> yeah, like, now. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, this is James. Like, it's filthy. Isn't someone separate? Yeah, um, it's it's you. That's your core yeah. self now. Yeah, and so that that's I think that's what helped me. That I like that you kind of had this um, this kind of strategy to develop and project an idea of what you wanted to manifest, but then you manifested it, and now it's like you are now that person. Where is the other James now? Then. Mm. You know, when you say it like that, maybe, maybe that the other James is that still that same James, but it had to like see the capacity of what it could be in a different form. Um, Cause I think, I think even like when you're shy, I notice a lot of people that I'm cool with that don't want to speak. They're like, no, nah, I don't feel like, I don't feel like I have anything to say. Usually those are the people with the most special thing to say. 
Um, and that, that fear that's valid gets in the way of it. And they're able to sort of like reason in their mind that they don't have anything that's valid that would, that would contribute. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think, I think when fear drives us, we're rare, we're rarely like the highest version of ourselves. So I think when I allowed fear to like stop me from doing things, even if like everything in me was like, I want to share this, but I'm like, I can't, they won't like Mm -hmm. it. I think that James was being, um, restricted by that fear. And so Mm -hmm. maybe they are the same James, um, but being able to see it in a different identity allowed me to be able to accept who I was supposed to be. Okay. And I think there's a lesson in this too, for just artists in general, because so you are not the first artist and won't be the last artist to kind of create that alter space of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, having its own separate identity. What I think is really interesting though, is that we do sometimes see people get lost in this identity and it takes them down a slightly, a drastically different path. Yeah. You know, um, for sure. But what you're describing is like an executive approach to your mind where you're kind of pulling yourself out of your emotions and physical experience and making decisions above those and saying, Hey, all right. Um, you james are going to participate in these things with the protection of filthy and we're going to teach you that these are safe spaces for you to exist in Mm. so over time you can now safely show up in these spaces and um when i when i tell you i just man i said last night i just had um a session it was like two hours with the client and we were actually talking about that i was like how was your you know your week and she was like um I had a rough week, but I made decisions above my thoughts and behaviors. I made decisions above my emotions and behaviors, and I planned out how we were going to navigate that. And I was like, wow, I'm, I was just so proud of her because I said to her, I was like, you know, six months ago, you couldn't do that. Yeah. So to hear to hear you say that you just out here in these streets, streeting it up like that, I'm like <laughs> very proud of them. And I'm proud of all of my clients. They just be doing so, so well. I just be just so happy. But so having that executive function, did you come from a space of what you did? Well, let me rewind. Does your music do for people what Filthy did for James? Is there a connection mm. in how your music now interacts with the world based on how your inside world interacts with yourself? One, it's it's interesting because now I'm like thinking about how I navigated it in such a different way with how like, and so Mm -hmm. to your point, I think, I think, um, filthy was doing to James what my music does for everyone else. Like James is now doing for for the world. Yeah. Yeah. I tell people like a lot of times when I write a record, it's, it's purely because either there's a thought that I see someone in like my community going through or it's an issue that I'm going through that I'm able to sort of like, not necessarily fully process, but analyze and look at, and then share my perspective through it. And then I feel I feel moved to share that because I'm like, I know there's other people that are going through the same thing. And so for me, it's like, I write records because I'm like, I, we, we all need to like be able to see, I don't know, more of the beauty in the world, even when we're like, facing all the the muck and myrrh and just the devastating things that we're barata with and so yeah i think like 
what I write at first is like maybe even healing for me, but then I know like I can't share that. If I know after that process, like it, it's helped me, it would, I, for me, it would be selfish to be like, oh, this really helps. All right, I see other people struggling. I'm not gonna share it with them. Y'all figure well, it out themselves. I figured it out for me. It's yeah. like, nah, that's that's just not my temperament. Yeah, it's a, it's service. It, you you're when you're delivering those messages to other people for their benefit, you're performing a service for people. So that that's that's really therapeutic, and I'm I'm pretty sure your listener community is absolutely benefiting from that because it's so hard to find music that does that by intention and by design mm. nowadays. Um. Would you, this is a, this is an off record. Would you ever sign with a record label? Uh, so I, years ago I was signed to a indie. Um, there were some good parts and there were some very bad parts, <laughs> but, uh, I, I wouldn't be against it. Like if the deal made sense and I know that like the trade off of what I'd have to relinquish was, was equitable to like the help I would get to advance uh-huh. it. I would do it because like also I think like because like I care about my message so much I know that there's there will be limitations to how far I can spread it by myself as opposed mm-hmm. to like an entity or a company and I'm not gonna okay. I'm not a purist to the point that I'm like nah never Can't yeah like how would, it, do you ever think do you ever how what, what would be your strategy as an artist looking to sign to a label what mm. would be your strategy to maintain the integrity of your music while also being in a commercial marketing space because i feel like that's like the hardest it's it's apparently it seems like it's the hardest thing and it seems like the direction that artists has have taken is like okay well i'm not going to sign anywhere but is there a is there a a middle ground or even a -hmm. window for you to bring your authentic self and your authentic story into your music but still take advantage of like big money right so i think i think um if one has the influence and i guess also you would need the resources uh, I think a partnership makes more sense. Like one thing that I think we don't talk about a lot that happened in the early, what was that? 2010s or was it the 20 teens? I don't know. But, um, Macklemore is never signed to a major like the rapper Macklemore. Mm-hmm. What he has is he has a distribution deal with a major label. And so they distribute his music and send it to radio. I think the number is somewhere around he gets 80 to 90 percent of what he makes off of an album sale so it's Shout interesting because, right it's <laughs> it's like and i might be fudging numbers so go fact check me please but it is it is a deal where i think what he did is he lived on tour and i remember watching it like there's one summer where like he came to lansing i played with him and like there was like 70 people at the show Maybe a couple summers later, he goes on tour and I'm just watching and I'm like, oh, 25 out of the 28 dates are sold out. That's kind of cool. Then boom, boom. So he had leverage to be like, I have fans. I know how to connect to them. So I don't need your help on that. I need radio and distribution. Um, And so I think if people can do partnerships with labels, that makes more sense. But you have to be able to bring something to the table. And maybe a revolutionary idea is like, maybe like how people do Kickstarters for their album maybe you do funding with your fans and be like hey i'm gonna allow my fans to fund my career and maybe like we have an advisory board where we have conversations and you can have input on what we do because you believe in it but i i think i would put more faith in the people than a company 
Um, and You're giving away a lot around. of uh, business advice. <laughs> you should start charging, my friend. You're giving away a lot of business advice. You're giving away a lot of free game. Here's the thing. <laughs> I've, I've learned with free game, it's, it, this is a sad fact, but I have learned with free game, people rarely listen to it. Like if I put a paywall in front of it, people wouldn't listen to it. I've noticed, I've said like crazy ideas, like someone should do this. And then like, People are like, yeah, no one will do that. And like years later, someone does it. And I'm like, no, someone I know it. did it. It'll work. Yeah. So I want to jump into some of your projects. Um, a couple of years ago, I kn- like there was some type of a shift and you came out with the project. I probably wrote it, wrote this while crying, which was promoted by the, the brilliantly titled single go stream my album. <laughs> <laughs> I was a I was a fan of that um, marketing approach. I loved it. It was very organic and original, um, and it streamlined me into your catalog. Um, I'm a big fan of like alternative R and B kind of like um, dystopia stories. Mm-hmm. So that particular album was great. Um, I wanted to talk to you about the source. Well, first of all, what was what's your couple of favorite songs on that album? I'm assuming it's the ones with the star next to it on Apple Music because <laughs> I think you had to put that one. There. Um, no, uh, I didn't. They actually do it themselves. I yeah. Oh, they ran. Okay, got gotcha. you. Yeah. So what off the off of that album? What would be your favorite track? Mm. Oh, they're all my babies, right? Um, there's one right answer because there's one track on that album that is. <laughs> It's the okay. best. Like I, I really hope I get that right one. Then. Yeah. Uh, so I, you, so you gotta... I love, I love ten for ten. Like that's uh, and part of that is like my my homegirl Melissa Carter just killed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, m- most of my friends are stuck on the internet. It's definitely one of my favorites. Um, dang, I don't... I'm gonna just wait for for the correct answer to just. No, nervous. This particular this particular song on the album, it was accompanied with a really dope visual, and I feel like oh, that at the that, time that, it was that is so necessary. It, it was so necessary. Um, I believe the title is "I Just Started Loving Myself." Yeah, I just started what? loving me. Yeah. What? Yeah. What that, I was I a- was like, wow, and it was like right in the midst of this pandemic. It was something that. I feel like a lot of people needed to hear that and a lot of people needed to see that transition. Um, overall, where did the inspiration or the design of the album come from? I know that you mentioned sometimes you draw inspiration from the stories of people around you or people or stories that you just come in contact with. Um, what percentage of this album is you? This might this might be the most fully me album I think I've ever done. And, and I say that to say, because I think even like, and I love all the stuff I put out prior, but I think when I talk about even issues or things going on, um, I rarely in song form, I rarely attribute them to myself. And I make them sort of like, this is this source material that like, it could be any of us. Um, and I think this album was also like probably the most me because it's the first album I produced uh, the whole thing, um, which is like one of those things where I think it harkens back to like how, how filthy gave James like more courage to like be himself for a while. I was secretly producing. Um, and it wasn't until I started teaching and then I would listen to like my youth who were learning how to produce being like, Oh, I'm not a real producer. I'm not good at this. And I'm like, nah, you are a real producer. 
And I'm like, dang. So now I can't joke around and be like, I'm not a real producer when I talk to them either. Um, but um, yeah, I think I think a lot of what made that album what it was was me being like, all right, I'm really just gonna talk about like how I feel sometimes, and hopefully people <laughs> people listen to it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was like, I'm just gonna take a risk and and be very vulnerable on this record. What what does it feel like for an artist to produce a project that that's that is that vulnerable how like what did the release when you pressed publish what i remember <laughs> i remember when i wrote my first book and i it was all of my business in that book y'all that was <laughs> all i was like oh shit i'm talking shit <laughs> and i remember i wrote it at at and as it was just that published, I was like, I'm about to press this button because it's going to go to the worldwide internet. Like yeah, everyone yeah. on, and I just was like, Shh, people know me are going to hear this. People know me that are going to read this. What was that moment? Once the, obviously the project is done, what was it like for you right before you hit publish, knowing that mm. people are going to hear this, people that know you are going to hear this music? So I guess like, to my detriment and my benefit it i released it during the pandemic and so i think i wasn't sure about anything so i was like i was like i think it i think that it gave me a sense of like hey i don't know when we're gonna be back outside i don't know when i'll see people but i know if i put music out it'll get listened to and i, and I think maybe it, it got it was a weird where i don't think i was able to focus on like how vulnerable the record it was as much as like the process of creating and releasing is something that feels okay. natural to me. And so, so this was, was the record was produced by Filthy, basically. <laughs> it was distributed and produced by Filthy. That's that. yeah, he, he grinded on the track, but it was definitely but, distributed but, but, by Filthy. But, but but I think I think like I think part of it too though is with that album I was like part of it was I was doing it for me. And so I'm not going to front, like I wanted it to get a lot of plays. I don't think it reached what I wanted to reach. And there's a lot of variables that did that. But I think I felt accomplished alone by like being more honest on a record and producing a full record. So I, I, that was like, yeah, I think the win happened when I hit publish, like regardless of any outcome. I think I could say that now. I don't know if I was necessarily, to your point, I probably wasn't feeling that in that point. I think I was like, oh, I don't know if people are going to listen to this. I don't know what's going on. But I know that if I, it'll be out there. And I, I that's the only thing I could be sure of. Mm-hmm. How, how does your loved ones and your family feel about your music? Uh, they love it. Like, my dad's my biggest fan. Um, Like, it's funny. If, if, like, if I miss a call, he'll, like, leave a message and be like, oh, my bad. I was trying to talk to the world famous James Garden. Uh, do I need to talk to a secretary or something? I'm like, chill. <laughs> and then, yeah, my mom, my mom loves my music too. She really enjoys it. Okay, that's good. Do you ever, when you, when you, I mean, some of this music that you're, some of this music that you're putting out, I imagine these, some stories are probably older stories. They may not be today's stories. Is there ever a time with your family or friends where, you find that your music has led to a conversation about an experience. Mm. Sadly, no. Um, but I, I think also like, like even when I think about my dad, uh, I don't think he's ever like 
been a talker to the sense like like I don't think he's ever had therapy, right? Um, when I think about my mom, I think I probably talked her into it <laughs> a couple of years ago, and so okay. I I don't know if if I've ever like felt like we've had conversations about music and about like um maybe what it what it's about um yeah but i i think that might be because of like that dynamic of i don't know if we ever get mm-hmm. that deep. like i think as of late with my mom i've gotten deeper um just like even her venting about her job and like how it feels to be a black woman mm-hmm. of a certain age working under young white men that are aggressive and gaslighting yeah. and you know and like me just trying to like support her in that i think that's opened up more opportunities um where i think we've had conversations just about life but not necessarily the music yeah do you do you ever feel has there ever been a situation where your music has brought you closer to someone that there was maybe some type of distance maybe a friend Mm. a fan or maybe a friend has you have you noticed that your music kind of have become a glue in any ways you know i don't know if i can think of a like a specific person but i know there's been times where um people have told me like after a show how they felt afterwards and how it made them feel better and in that interaction is like made me want to like check in on them more mm-hmm. um and then like like i'm i'm the crazy person that if i have a concert i might send you a personal video of me inviting you and like it's me on a video of like hey robert like i would love if you come to the show if you can't make it let's let's link up sometime soon and then like so with that like there's been people who like will grab coffee and just chop it up and talk about life um, That's what's up. and so and i guess in that point i think the music was a bridge for that i don't i don't know if those connections would have happened without that that's what's up and exploring more between like the the artistic sides of who you are how has your music been therapeutic for you like what has your music helped you get through mm. you know I feel like uh, because my music has a very, like, encouraging tone, um, one could listen to it and allow it to serve as, like, a list of affirmations um, or just, like, a reminder of who you can be. Uh, And I find myself sometimes if I'm, like, in a very low moment, and I rarely listen to my music, but when I feel like it, sometimes I'll listen to a record and be like, wait, I said that? Wait, what? How was I able to think like that? Like wait that's my thought so you know like it's it's a weird thing where it's like you could be in such a long and do you hear like even just like like you named it earlier but like i just started loving me like when i listened to that record i'm like wow i was like Mm -hmm. god i love me some me now like like, why am i away from that and let me get back to that because at one point this is this is how i felt um and like just reminding myself of like how how I've seen me and how I should see me um, has been like, yeah, I think my music does that for me. It reminds me of like, oh yeah, nah, you've been through hard times, but like you still yeah. fear. Um, Keeps you grounded. And, and, it, and you, have an ex- you have an extensive catalog of music. You have music published from like 2016 BC. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of music. Um, When did you... But recently you've been kicking it out with a different at a 60 frame rate. Like you've been making a lot of music recently. What uh-huh. what happened in your personal life that made you shift to realizing that I see myself in, as an artist and I have to make sure other people see me as an artist? 
you you know i think part of it is i uh, teaching i actually yeah i'm gonna attribute it all to teaching so i um work with a nonprofit where we teach kids how to uh write and produce music it's called all the above hip-hop academy i've also for the last eight years worked at a summer camp traveling camp of pennsylvania where for a while i ran the music department and now i run the whole creativity center but i think what ended up happening is like when i only have 45 to 50 minutes with a kid and we have to write a song um one of the things i always tell them is like you have to create without critiquing and just like let's get the ideas out let's get the ideas out and um I think at, with doing that, it gave me a practice of not overthinking. Um, but I also think about, and maybe COVID did inspire a lot of this. I, I think I, I was at a, a, a nice pace before them, but I think as of late, like it's, it's definitely ramped up. I think what I realized is like, I have all these thoughts and these things I want to say. Um, and we literally went through a pandemic where people that I thought would be around for years are no longer here. Um, I don't. I don't know when this time runs out. And so if I have this music in me, I need to make it, but I also need to not hold on to it. I need to give it to the people at a, at a fast pace. That's really powerful. That's really powerful. I, I, I've, I always have thought that it's important to think about what is that you want to be remembered for, as well as do you have the blessing and the capability to put something in the world that can outlast your existence? And those two things, to me, they're essentially the meaning of legacy. They're a meaning of what the impact of your presence have today, will have today, as well as will have tomorrow. So, I, and I'm pretty sure that if you, if you keep excelling the way that you have, your music is going to do some things because the message in your music is pretty incredible and i would like to i would love to see more musicians kind of take that shift in terms of being authentic people that are giving messages uh you know everyone now has a platform everyone mm -hmm. now has a microphone but not everyone has a message we typically do and the people are going to get so they're going to be mad at me but so i was trying to produce a new episode for the show every day and I blinked and now I'm at half a hundred episodes. <laughs> so that was, that was really fast. So I have to start condensing some of the special episodes. And one thing that people have been asking for is a repeat after me episode. That would kind of be more of like a guided meditation based on a quote. Mm. So in the interest of not doing the most, I have to start combining these special episodes into the regular episodes. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to give you the quote and allow you to interpret it for yourself and share that interpretation with how other people can benefit from it. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. okay. So this is Repeat After Me by James Garden. Boom. Drops the mic. <laughs> the quote is by Khalil Gibran and it reads, your pain is the breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding. It's the bitter potion by which the physician within you heals your sick self. Therefore, trust the physician and drink his remedy in silence and tranquility. Mm. Oh, that's a good one. That's probably one of my favorite. Khalil Jaron, shout out to him, but that's one of my favorites. But I want to know what is your immediate reaction to that? What part of that kind of like sits with you the most? I mean, I think so it it's talking about like how the pain is helpful. Um, it reminds me golly, I'm such a church kid. It reminds me of a sermon I heard once and, and what they what they talked about was like 
when a caterpillar is in a cocoon, um, it is the, the struggle and the, I guess, wrestling that helps the fluid get to the wings. So when it emerges out of it, those wings are functional and it can fly. And a lot of people talk about like, well, that same pastor talked about that if you saw a caterpillar in a cocoon, if you cut it out of the cocoon, it, it dies because it's not allowed to develop and go through that process. And so like that quote just makes me think about this idea of like, a lot of times when we go through pain, um, we want to get the quickest way out of it because it's uncomfortable, it's discomfort, we don't like it. But if we trust the physician through the process, we can transform to something more beautiful. Um, yeah, that's what it makes me think about a lot, like that process of, of pain, being able to produce something out of us. That's what's up. And how can that message be something that impacts your listeners? Um, are you a person that you kind of, do you have like relationships with the people that listen to your music? Or are you kind of like, um, you know, you kind of like tap into them when you can? Uh, do you personally know people that actively support your music? Uh, locally, yes. I, I, I think locally it's probably where I have stronger connections. I don't know if okay. I like online talk to people a lot if I haven't met them in person, which like, I guess I could do more of that. It doesn't feel the same. Um, mm -hmm. but, but I know like, yeah, locally, like they, yeah, there's people they'll message me, but also I'll see them. I'll, I'll always speak. Yeah. We always like make our connections. Yeah. 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 And so would you, would you say that the processing or building a relationship with pain is something that you notice a struggle within your community? I, I think so. Like, I, I think people will, like people around me, if going through pain, um, like, I, I think I find myself having to remind them it's okay to like feel it in public. Cause I think a lot of times, even no matter how close you are, if you're not comfortable with even expressing that you're in pain, you may hide it. Um, and I think I see that a lot definitely probably in a lot of my male-bodied friends like i think a lot of them don't share when they're hurting or struggling um and i think you have to lean into it like you can't you can't really just shy away from it and act like it doesn't exist because the fact of the matter is people can tell maybe people don't choose to ask questions because they don't want to pry but they can tell they can tell when something's off they can tell 100 percent. i actually let yesterday morning I've been so busy. I'm tired. One day I'm going to go to sleep. Yeah. Like, and really? it's going to be a, I don't know. That's not funny. <laughs> I'm tired. It, it's just been, it's been a weird, it's been a weird business month this month and next. Well, April and May is just tight, but June I'm taking some time off. But um, I was yesterday morning about 830. I actually was doing an interview with uh, a different platform out in New York City. And we were talking about something similar. And I was saying that, like, when you get to the place where you can acknowledge and share your feelings, you'll be surprised who can connect with that. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, like, if you're not that kind of person, people tend to not really bring that to you. Like, yeah. they know who they can talk to about certain things. So you'll sometimes think, like, all of your your guy friends just won't talk about things and it's not that they don't talk about it, they just don't talk about it with you because Maybe, you don't yeah. you don't you don't you just don't provide that space and stuff like that but once you get to the other side of that street and you're like listen i'm i'm i'm, I'm feeling anxious as fuck 
you'll be surprised how many people is like, I felt that too. And I know what yeah. to do when you feel this way. So I, I like the idea that pain is one of those emotional spaces that you can share with other people and actually get some help going through it instead of trying to go around it or jump over it, uh-huh. you know, just go straight through it. What is, um, what's in the plans for the rest of this year? I feel like every entrepreneur, artist, influencer is doing something major this year because it's 23. That's the Jordan year. It is the Jordan year. Yeah. If you guys don't know about the Jordan year, like you're not in it then, but everybody, (laughs) everybody that knows kind of knows. And I feel like everyone is committed to making this their most polished and 365 year. So what do you have planned for the rest of the year? So, um, as of late, I've been and yeah, I've been really getting into like sync licensing and writing music for TV and film. Um, this year, I want I want it all. Like, there's there's people that like I see in the space that like I even look up to what they do. I'm like, that's fire. But I think I won't. Not that it needs to be a comparison thing, but like I want my name mentioned when you talk about like who's who. When you listen to a trailer, I want people to listen to the trailer. Like, wait, I know that voice. Oh, that's James. Um, or when you listen to an ad, like, I think I really want to, I really want to make some strides in that part of the industry. Um, and then part of me, I'm just also like a teacher at heart. I want to also bring some other people into that space as well. Um, cause at this point right now, I feel like it's not as diverse, um, as it can be. There's not, I don't see all groups really represented in an equitable way. Uh, and if I can disrupt that, I'm, I'm down to do that. Okay. And what are the internal steps and internal processes, the work that you can do on yourself to help you achieve those goals this year? Mm. Discipline. <laughs> I need, I need, I okay. definitely need to like stay super disciplined on like the process of yeah. like making sure every day I sit down and try to make something. Do not need to make it be like a complete work, but like I need to like be disciplined in that work. Um, I think I, I also need to just like continue to being a process of learning because things just keep changing. So research, research, research. Um, and I think, I think I can lose perspective of how far I've traveled from where I started. So I think, I think I need to have way more touch points for reflection. Um, cause it can get really easy to just be like, I'm not doing that. They did this. I'm mm-hmm. not doing that. And totally forget like, Hey, but you did, this uh, okay you actually got better in this area and you learned this new technique gotcha. um, yeah i don't i don't think i reflect as much as as, as necessary do you like, journal i do journal uh as of late i don't know i just be writing thoughts it, <laughs> but, I, but i think i think i yeah i scribble damn it <laughs> but I think maybe maybe it's even like as I journal being like, all right, things may not feel good right now. Let's process. Let's write that out. But also let's like at least try to reflect a little bit on like what what has happened, what what have you accomplished, and like just like even just writing down small wins. I think it would be helpful to keep keep me pushing. That's good. Well, look, we we are rooting for you. I, I appreciate, appreciate you being here, and I'm telling you that people listening to this 
all over the country, all over the world is going to be that be able to be more inspired in that path and taking those notes from you and being able to kind of apply themselves and push themselves through these things. So that's a that's a message right there. If y'all are looking to keep up with, wait, is that your did I say your last name right, Garden? Yeah, yeah, you got it right. You got it right. I mean, I don't. Okay. I don't I've know. never I'm... ever ever heard you say your last name. So <laughs> that's I... hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, I could be definitely definitely lying about this man's name but if you're looking for for james you can find him at on instagram at james garden music uh and you can also find him on instagram or twitter at james garden underscore and um check out his website www.supercleanjames what it is we can't end the show yet we got like five more minutes who's super clean james tell me about that (laughs) so now i'm curious about these different compartments of identities and how they interact with each other i'm a psych nerd so i need to know no you're good you're good so a while back when i was like working on merch i had this idea of like super clean merch and i was like oh you know what like i could have super clean merch um and then like all of my merch like if i launched actual merch like clothing line like all of my merch could be under that umbrella but then also i could design for other people Mm -hmm. um that might be something i still do down the line it's just not the main focus now um but also like i thought like the super clean could be something that i add to everything and so like even like the sync sort of community i'm building is called super clean sync um and then i guess the other thing was when i started designing my website um when I was signed to the label, they bought jamesgarden.com. And so I was like, well, I can't use jamesgarden.com. And I was like, what do I want to use? And I'm like, I'm using the super clean stuff all the time. So I was just like, super clean James. Um, and I think it also alludes to like, I don't really use profanity in my music because I want it to be as accessible as possible. You know, I didn't so. notice that because the emotion that you put in the music, it felt like you was cussing. <laughs> <laughs> I... I, you could not, and I was sitting here thinking like, you know, okay, this is music super clean. And I'm like, I don't know because I'd be in my feelings. I'd be like, yeah, bitches. <laughs> you know, fucking play with me. You know? no, no bitches on the record, but you heard it. You heard the ad lib. Okay. Oh, oh, that's must have been what it was. It was, um, it was a subconscious curse. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, check him out. Check out his website, Super Clean James. Um, you guys can follow me at Robert St. Michael. And my website's also going to get a bit of a tune-up. So stay tuned for that. Uh, and yeah, thanks for being here. I've been your mental health coach for today. And this is the Group Sessions Podcast. And we will catch you guys in the next episode. Peace.